today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear the truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Maybe today, even listening now or uh, later on in the recording, maybe as you're listening to this, maybe the Lord is calling you for an absolute change of life and lifestyle because He's calling you into full-time service to Him. Not everybody is called to that, but some are. But for everyone who is a believer who claims the name of Christ, we are called in whatever our hands find to do, to do all unto the name of the Lord. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, He gave all who would follow Him a great commission. He asked us to make disciples in all nations. Pastor David teaches in today's message from Luke that this mission is not just for those working in ministry. He reminds us that whatever it is that God has given us to do, from stay-at-home mom, to a lawyer, to a painter, to a farmer, we should all work as unto the Lord. God asks us to be bold about our faith, and to advance His kingdom by shining our light brightly and without fear. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, A Life of Intention. I think it's about time that we did a DTR. How many of you understand what a DTR is? Define the relationship. Define the relationship. Before we get into the study, and we're we're in Luke chapter 8 this morning, but before we get there, I, I just want to touch on a couple of things by way of kind of helping us to get into the study. And yes, there are going to be some pointed questions right at the beginning of the study, but I want those pointed questions to kind of guide your understanding and your application of the study this morning. Define the relationship. Define your relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you ever taken the time and just pausing every now and then to think about where you're at in your walk with Christ? Is it truly a relationship, and is it truly a relationship that's growing and active? When we call ourselves Christians, have you ever taken the time to really clarify what that word means to you? We throw out the word Christian a lot, and yet, what does it really mean to you in your life? When they first started calling believers Christians... The name had a couple of different connotations to it. It had the idea and the thought of little Christs, kind of like uh, the mini-me's of Jesus. I don't know. Uh, the, the idea that you were little Christ, and the world would look and say, oh, there are a bunch of little Christs going around with that same kind of direction and attitude, hopefully, the same kind of heart and passion, hopefully. Actually, a better interpretation of Christian would be belonging to the party of Christ. 
belonging to the party of Christ. Let me, again, when we look at that, we, we need to understand that whatever the definition is, it would only be right for us, for those who confess ourselves as Christians, to really and truly, it would only be right in our life if there was in our life an intentional direction and purpose of our lives to show, to demonstrate, and to share the truth of Christ to the world that's around us. I want to give that to you again. If we call ourselves Christians, it's only right in our lives, it's only true in our lives, if within our lives, there is this intentional direction and purpose of our lives to show, to demonstrate, and to share the truth of Christ to the world that's around us. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be as believers. And to help you understand that, there's, there's a lot of places in the gospel records where Jesus tells those who are his followers, those who are, as we look at today, those who are Christians, if they are a true follower, that they would be salt and light to the world that's around them. That they would be a city on a hill. And that means a city on a hill with the lights on, okay? That's not a city on the hill with all the lights turned out and hopefully nobody notices us. No, the city on the hill with the lights on. Let your light so shine before men, the word says, that they might see your good works, that they might glorify God in heaven. We read the similar kind of things of the teachings of the apostles to the church as they're instructing, as they're encouraging the church to be men and women of God. Being a Christian needs to make a difference in our lives and how the world sees us. It was said of the early church that they turned their world upside down. Now, actually, I believe they turned it right side up. Amen? The problem is, is I think we're back upside down quite a bit today. The thing I want you to know is the early Christians made a difference in the culture and in the society that they lived. And the difference was much, much more than simply attending church or going through some ritualistic process that does not impact our inner being, and the world that's around us. An intentional life moves toward the things of Christ, moves toward the things of the very person of Christ. It's a life that impacts not only our mortal soul, our immortal soul, sorry, but will also directly impact others that are around us. The very essence, the very presence of Christ in us ought to be that that touches the lives of those people that we come in contact with throughout our day or throughout our week, throughout our life. Our lives ought to be lived with an absolute intention of showing, demonstrating, and living out the very life of Christ to a dark and dying world that we're surrounded with. We need to intentionally be little Christs. We need to be strong representatives of the party of Christ to the world that we live in. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but as of today, our party is definitely moving into the minority. Not only in other parts of the world, but even in our own nation. 
I'm talking about the impact of, of Christianity to the world that's around us. I'm not talking about the Republican Party or the Tea Party or the Liberal Party or the Independent Party or the Democratic Party. I'm not talking about those parties. I'm talking about you and I as members of the Party of Christ impacting the world that's around us. And right now, before our very eyes, Christianity is rapidly being marginalized throughout the world and, yes, even in our nation. Okay, with those things being said, hopefully you're in Luke chapter 8 by now. In Luke chapter 8, let's look at what Jesus speaks to those that would follow him as he explains, in essence, the, the, the basis of the, uh, of, of the call that's on our lives as believers. In Luke chapter 8, we're going to begin reading in verse 16. Luke 8, verse 16. No one, no one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. But he sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see it. Why in the world would you light a lamp and put, a, put it under a basket? Why would you light a lamp and hide it under the bed? You light the lamp to impact the world that's around you. He goes on, verse 17, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed. For anything hidden that will that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away from him. By now, the ministry of Jesus, uh, he had a multitude of people that were following him everywhere that he went. It was uh, literally hundreds and, and, and thousands, in some cases, of people that would crowd around him. He'd come into these little villages, and suddenly all the places around would hear, Jesus is over in the next village. And again, multitudes of people would go over to hear his teachings, to be a part of whatever this movement was that was happening around this very popular rabbi. Now, we know of the differences of a lot of kinds of people that were there. We've spoken about them quite a bit as we've gone through Luke. First of all, we know that there were these religious political leaders. And I say religious political is because the religion of that day was also very politically powerful. So we have these religious political leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. They were following Jesus' teachings. And don't, 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 don't be confused. They were listening to every word. They were dialed in to what he was saying but they weren't dialed in with the heart they were dialed in with a with a head knowledge because they were looking for anything that he would say any slightest thing that he would do that they could cry out blasphemy or you're breaking the law in order that they might bring charges against him that they might be able to defame his his ministry or his name or his message in any way that they could they were looking for that opportunity to destroy him and to bring it down there were also those who we might classify as the upper class the upper class the, the wealthy that were in the area and they too would come and they would listen to the teachings of Jesus they they, they would come but for some of them, they're willing to follow Jesus as long as they could maintain their lifestyle. As long as it didn't take from them something that they've worked so hard to get or that they themselves had uh, uh, inherited. So they would follow him. We, we read in the gospel accounts in particular about that one, remember the rich young ruler. 
that came to Jesus and say, Oh, Master, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus lists off several of the commands, and the young man says, Oh, I've done those all of my life. And then Jesus tells that rich young man, he says, This one thing you lack. Go and sell everything that you've got. Give it to the poor, and then come, follow me. And the guy, what does the word say? He went away sorrowful. I'm willing to follow you as long as it does not impact my life. Now, beloved, there's a lot of people today that are willing to claim Jesus as long as it doesn't interfere with their life, as long as it doesn't mess up their lifestyle, the unfortunate reality. The disciples understood that when Jesus called them to come and follow me. We read how Peter and Andrew and James and John, what did they do? They left their nets, they left their business, and they followed Jesus. Matthew, the tax collector, the word says that when Jesus came by, he left the tax tables and began to follow after Jesus. Now, maybe Jesus isn't calling you to quit your job and leave and follow him on a full-time basis, but maybe he is. Maybe today, even listening now or uh, later on in the recording, maybe as you're listening to this, maybe the Lord is calling you for an absolute change of life and lifestyle because he's calling you into full-time service to him. Not everybody is called to that, but some are. But for everyone who is a believer, who claims the name of Christ, we are called in whatever our hands find to do, to do all unto the name of the Lord. To be willing, yes, to sacrifice in our lives, to be willing to change our lives in order to bring glory and honor to Him. There were also those that followed Him. They followed Him for the purpose of seeing all the signs and the wonders that He would do. They would, they would follow Jesus or they would come to him maybe in great times of need in their life. Maybe they needed healing or, or deliverance, but, but not necessarily were they moved by the truths of his teachings. They saw that he was a miracle worker and so they came to him because they were lame, because they were blind, because they had leprosy or some disease, because they knew that this Jesus could heal them. But that did not necessarily interpret into someone who is a faithful follower of Jesus. We read of the ten lepers who came to Jesus and Jesus healed them and told them, now go show yourself to the priests. And of those ten lepers, only one came back. The rest of them received the miracle of Jesus but it didn't change their lives. I believe only that one life was changed. Even today, people come to Christ because they have a need in their life. They have a temporary need in their life that they're hoping that Jesus is the fix-it Messiah. That he'll come and he'll fix my marriage. He'll fix my health. He'll fix my relationship. He'll fix whatever it is. I've got a teenage son that I can't deal with. Maybe we need to start coming to church. Maybe I need to get my kids involved in Sunday school in order to fix my life in our home. Maybe I need to get my husband or my wife to church in order that our lives might be straightened up. Beloved, church will not change an immortal soul. Only Jesus does that. And when we come to Christ for any other reason than for our immortal soul, we come to him for a temporary fix, and it does not do anything for eternity for us. We look and among that crowd, yes, there were still, there was still a multitude of people who did follow Jesus, who heeded his teachings, and their lives were changed. 
Their lives began to show the very presence of Christ. Remember the, the woman of Samaria, the, the, the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus came and spoke to her. This woman who was uh, living with a guy, and she had already had five husbands, but when she began communing with Jesus, when she really knew who he was, I believe it changed her life. It not only changed her life internally, but it also changed it externally. She went back into that town and told all the men of the town, come and see if this isn't the Christ. She began sharing the truth of what Christ was already doing and working in her life. You remember Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. climbed up in the... You, well, some of you guys went to Sunday school. Some of you never have. Um, Zacchaeus. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus, I don't know why Zacchaeus came to watch Christ. Maybe he was the happening thing in town. Zacchaeus didn't have direct TV with 300 channels that he doesn't get anything on. So he climbed up in top of the sycamore tree to be able to see Jesus. And when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he says, come down, I'm going to have dinner with you today. I'm going to commune with you today. And after Zacchaeus had that personal relationship with Zacchaeus and Jesus together, after that had taken place, what did Zacchaeus say? Wow. All those that I've cheated, I'm going to give back fourfold. My life is going to change dramatically. He was a changed man. It not only impacted him on the inside, but it also impacted how he lived on the outside. Multitude of others, like those three women that we looked at last week, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna, those that because of what Christ had done in their life, followed him, served him, continually ministering to him and to the disciples all the way through that ministry of Christ. And so here we have Jesus speaking to a multitude of people, and I believe that he's tying this in with the teaching that he just gave them about the four different soils. How some the word is taken away, how some the word flares up really quickly because it's in shallow ground, there's no real root to it, some that get tangled up in the cares and the concerns of the world, and then others that actually produce fruit. I believe that as he's speaking about the impact his followers ought to have to the world around them, he tells the multitude that if you have a lamp, and that lamp is the light of his teachings within our lives, that if you have a lamp, you have it for the purpose of letting it illuminate the world that's around you. Jesus Christ came into your life, yes, to save you for all of eternity, but also in order that you yourself personally might be a lamp and a light to the world that's around you. Is your light hidden? Is it stuffed under the, the bed? Or is it lighting the world around you? in order that, again, the light of Christ might be seen to the people of this world. What does the song say? Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out? No, I'm going to let it shine. Again, Sunday school, you guys need to get back into Sunday school. That's the call in every one of our lives, that the light of Christ in us would shine brightly to the world that is around us. If you've received the light of the gospel, then those who enter, as Jesus says, and I believe he's speaking about those who come in contact with you, those who enter into your presence, those that come uh, to know you or to see you, that those who enter, they would see that light. That light and the hope of the gospel that's inside of you. The very essence and presence of Christ in you. But Jesus also knew that there were many who were following him who weren't true followers. 
who weren't true believers, who didn't take to heart his message in order that it would change them. They were simply what we could call tagalongs. They were simply tagging along. And even today, there's many people who, in essence, pretend to accept the teachings of Christ. They do it for maybe some, again, an immediate, uh, some temporary need that they have in our life. They might benefit in some way from it. And yet nothing really has ever changed in their inner lives. For these pretenders, their pretension is going to be made known. It's either going to be made known here and now in this life, or for sure it's going to be made known when they stand before the Father in heaven at the end of our days. To those who continued to hear and not be changed, Jesus warned them there in verse 17 where it says, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, for anything hidden, nor anything hidden that will not be made known and come to the light. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away. We have here, I believe, a biblical principle, a a kingdom principle that we can look at. If you have true life in Jesus, then you're going to have multiple lifelong opportunities to be able to grow in that life. He who has more will be given. Whoever has him, again, the opportunities, the blessings of being able to grow in your life in Christ. However, if your relationship with Jesus Christ is simply church, simply religion, simply ceremony, simply play acting, whoever does not have Even what he or she seems to have is going to be taken away. Even what they seem to have. Pretense or play acting will get you nowhere in the true kingdom of God and definitely nowhere in the life that's yet to come. Luke then tells us of an event that needs a little bit of clarity to be able to help us to uh, uh, really understand. We're going to get a little bit of help from the gospel of Mark in this. But in verse 19, we read this. Then his mother, Jesus' mother, and his mother and his brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, Hey, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered and said to them, My mother... And my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Now, first of all, let let me be very clear here. I don't believe that anything that Jesus is saying at this point is in any way disrespecting to his mother. No, that's not where this is going. We need to see the whole story of what's happening here. But before we get there, the second thing I want you to see real quick is regardless of the teachings of any church, any denomination, or any traditions of men, the reality is that Jesus did have half-brothers and half-sisters. They were the natural children of Joseph and Mary, born to Mary after the birth of Jesus. Mark is very clear in referencing that truth back in Mark 3, which we'll look at in a moment. Uh, again, during that earthly time of Jesus' ministry, there, there was already oppositions that were coming to his ministry. And Jesus, as he's ministering in the area that he grew up in, there were a lot of people that got offended by his teachings. 
And they called to question his pedigree. In Mark chapter 6, we read where he had been ministering there, and we read how the crowd of people says, Wait a second, isn't this just the carpenter? We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see the open word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting the open word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.